Hello, my name is Rebecca May Johnson. I'm a writer and cook, and this is my Substack. This week's newsletter is about two markets, how one dish leads to another, in this case, beginning with a rabbit, two pasta recipes and notes on eating. Lots of cooking. A tale of two towns. Someone I met recently told me she asks the butcher at her local market to keep a rabbit aside for her. And he does. The market she visits is in a town 10 miles away from me and takes place on Saturday. The market in my town is on Friday. In late March, I too asked for a rabbit from the same butcher when his van visited the market in my town. I hoped he would bring rabbits to the market where I live, but it was not sure for this reason. The vegetable seller, who also visits both towns, offers a much wider variety of produce at the market in the town where the other person's rabbits are acquired. He does not sell aubergines where I live, whereas he does in the other town. I can't sell aubergines here, he said to me once. Likewise, the Italian cheese and cured meat van visits the other town, but not my town, which saddens me, as sometimes I would like to buy their produce without having to get up early and drive or catch the train to the other town on a Saturday morning. However, the butcher did have a rabbit when he visited the Friday afternoon market in my town, and it cost five pounds. I asked him to cut it into pieces, and he did. I thought about making fried rabbit dredged in seasoned flour, served with scotch bonnet sauce, but the moment did not present itself, so I froze it. Back from Rome last Monday, and missing the food, I turned to Rachel Roddy's Rabbit Cacciatore, or Hunter's Style, recipe, from her book, Five Quarters, Recipes and Notes from a Kitchen in Rome. I followed her instructions and it produced a wonderful gravy scented with rosemary and made addictive with a dash of vinegar and olives. Vinegar in a sauce is one of my favourite things. See also Cantonese sweet and sour dishes, caponata, pork cooked with bay leaves and red wine vinegar, buffalo sauce and vindaloo. I served the rabbit cacciatore with small fried potatoes and cicoria ripassata from the allotment. Cicoria is boiled quite thoroughly in salted water, squeezed out, then fried with olive oil, a dried chilli and garlic. If you grow things, I recommend planting cicoria from seed this spring or summer. Slugs don't eat it. It lasts over the winter. If you cut it to the root, it sprouts new leaves and it is as far as I can tell, almost impossible to buy in the UK shops. It could be grown in a deep pot too. We did not eat all of the rabbit and a day later I picked the meat from the bones and made a pasta dish. My flavourings and method echoed that for the first dish, the cacciatore, with the addition of some chopped cooked plum tomatoes from a jar and a mix of fresh, soft herbs from the allotment that had returned from last year. Tarragon, fennel tops, parsley and chervil. 
A few days later, I made another sauce that, while containing no rabbit, expressed several other elements of the first pasta in a new way. Neither of the pasta recipes could have come into being without the rabbit cacciatore coming first. One dish led to another. Rabbit pasta with fresh herbs for two. Ingredients. Around 150 grams of rabbit meat picked from leftovers, cutting any bigger chunks of meat into small pieces. 30 grams of unsalted butter and a tablespoon of olive oil. One shallot, finely chopped. Two garlic cloves, finely chopped. Half a teaspoon of pepperoncino from a jar, or a small amount of fresh red chilli, or a pinch of chilli flakes. Four whole plum tomatoes from a tin or jar, but not the juice, save that for a soup or stew. Roughly chopped. 150ml of dry white wine. A handful of pitted olives, green or black or a mix, halved. A sprig of thyme. A small bunch of fresh herbs. Half parsley, half tarragon would be ideal. Roughly chopped. Half a lemon. And 200 grams of tagliatelle. Or 100 grams of pasta per person. How to make. Put on a pot of water for your pasta. A generous amount of water, with roughly a teaspoon per teaspoon of salt per litre. Melt the butter and olive oil in a frying pan together. Add the shallot and cook until soft on a medium heat for around five minutes with a thyme sprig. Then add the garlic and chilli and cook for a minute. Then add the rabbit and coat in the shallots and oil. Then pour in the wine and simmer gently for three to four minutes. Then add the chopped tomato and simmer very gently for a further 10 minutes on a low heat. And then finally, add the olives. Season with salt and black pepper to taste and stir. Allow the rabbit sauce to rest for five to 10 minutes. Meanwhile, cook the tagliatelle and reserve a cup of its cooking water when you drain it. When the pasta is cooked, mix in three quarters of the fresh herbs to the rabbit sauce and add a squeeze of lemon juice. Not too much, you don't want it to dominate. Add the tagliatelle and a ladleful of pasta water to the rabbit in the frying pan and toss well. Serve onto warm plates with the remaining fresh herbs on top. Two days later, feeling excited by the success of the rabbit pasta and answering Sam's request for something spicy that needed to be made very quickly to eat after 9pm. I made another pasta dish. The second pasta was shaped in part by the rabbit pasta, in part by pasta amatriciana, specifically the moment when making that sauce of adding wine to bacon fat, and a little by my love of tomato and cream together. It received an enthusiastic response from Sam, and I thought it was very good. 25-minute hot luxury pasta for two. Ingredients. Two to three rashers of smoked streaky bacon cut into half-centimetre matchsticks or pancetta 
or guanciale, if you can get them. Two tablespoons of olive oil. One shallot, finely chopped. One garlic clove, finely chopped. A teaspoon of pepperoncino from a jar, or a teaspoon of finely chopped fresh red chilli, or a good pinch of chilli flakes. 120 mils of dry white vermouth, or dry white wine. Four to five peeled plum tomatoes, roughly chopped, but not their juices. Four tablespoons of double cream, or a mix of creme fraiche and double cream. Two tablespoons of parsley, fairly finely chopped. 200 grams of rigatoni, or penne, or 100 grams of dried pasta per person. Parmesan to serve. How to make. Put on a big pot of water to boil for the pasta, seasoned with salt. Put the olive oil in the frying pan with the matchsticks of smoked streaky bacon or pancetta and cook on a medium heat until the fat is mostly rendered and the bacon is crisp. Turn the heat right down and add the shallot. Cook for three to four minutes until softening. Then add the garlic and chilli and stir in the oil. Allow to cook for a moment. Then add the vermouth or white wine. Shake and scrape the pan and allow it to bubble for a minute on a low medium heat. Then add the chopped tomato and simmer gently for five to six minutes until it breaks down a little. While the tomato is cooking, put the pasta in the big pot of boiling water to cook. Then off the heat, add the cream to the frying pan or mix of cream and creme fraiche and stir. Then simmer on a low heat for two to three minutes. Season with salt and pepper to taste. Turn the heat off and leave to rest while the pasta finishes cooking. Drain the pasta, reserving a cup of water. Add the chopped parsley to the sauce, then tip in the pasta to the sauce with roughly two ladles of cooking water. Keep mixing until the pasta is coated with the sauce and serve with parmesan grated on top. Eating notes. Nutella filled cookies. Just before boarding the flight back from Rome to London, I bought a tube of cookies filled with Nutella in the airport. I ate three quarters of the tube during the flight, as unusually I felt a bit travel sick and eating tends to help me with that. I gave several to Sam and the final cookie to a friend who had been staying a few nights at our house. She said it was one of the best things she had ever eaten. I concur. The well-seasoned biscuit is crisp and there is a generously filled Nutella centre. Tragically, I can't see that they are available in the UK apart from via a dubious overpriced page on Amazon. Ideal restaurant lunch for one. I love to be remade by a hairdresser. The process of transformation is always thrilling to me. I write about this in my book, Small Fires out later this year. On Wednesday, five months since my last cut, I went to see Barry, the wonderful man 
who was equally up for modelling my hair after Leonardo DiCaprio in the late 90s, or making a long, blonde bob. Afterwards, I chanced ringing up Max Rocher's restaurant, Café Cecilia, for a walk-in lunch for one, and was the beneficiary of a cancellation. I went the short distance from Barry's to the restaurant and ate an ideal lunch. I had Guinness soda bread and butter, roasted and peeled red peppers with salsa verde and a few olives, a plate of mussels stuffed with wild garlic and breadcrumbs, a green salad and an espresso. Oh, I forgot to mention I had a beer. The mussels were meticulously cleaned, steamed, extracted from their shells and baked or grilled with their delicious rich stuffing. The salad used my favourite lettuce, round or butter lettuce, and the peppers added sweetness to proceedings. The bread, homemade, helped me mop up the green olive oil and salsa verde that dressed the peppers. The table sitting next to me were so excited about their lunch that they told me about all of their dishes and inquired after mine too. Rocha's menu allowed me to compose an ideal lunch for myself. Ideal home lunch for one. I am aware it is a cliché, but I think omelette is so chic. Despite this, the frequency with which I eat an egg at breakfast often discourages me from eating omelette at lunch. One day this week, when I was home alone and had not really had breakfast, I made an omelette lunch for one and was very happy at having achieved such a state of chicness. I made a three-egg omelette by whisking three eggs with salt and black pepper, cooking it in butter whose foaming had just subsided. Then, as the base was setting and just before folding, I added a few blobs of creme fraiche to the middle then added finely chopped tarragon and parsley on top once I'd folded it. With it, I had steamed chard with a little parmesan on top and olive oil. Romanesco broccoli with sesame sauce. Twice this week, I've made Romanesco broccoli with sesame sauce and rice. I picked five heads of it from the allotment that I grew from plugs when I returned from my holiday. The first time I made the dish was boiled with short grain rice, nori seaweed and various condiments. The second time I made kim second time I made kimchi fried rice with the dregs of my homemade kimchi and garnished it with boiled eggs. For the sesame sauce I mix a few tablespoons of tahini or Chinese sesame paste with half a teaspoon of ses- toasted sesame oil a few tablespoons of sunflower oil, a good pinch of sugar, salt, a diced garlic clove, grated ginger, a little soy sauce and water if it needs thinning out. I pour it over Romanesco broccoli or regular broccoli that has been boiled in salted water until tender and sprinkled toasted sesame seeds on top. Yum. Thanks for listening.